Final hour, BetMGM. The night begins right now. Rob Brown filling in for Trista, filling in for Nick. Ryan Horvath with you here as usual. Uh, Creighton leads by 17, Rob, and I still don't feel good. I hate betting against UConn, and this just shows like how sharp the market is. You know what I mean? Like UConn closed as a two-and-a-half-point dog to the number one team in the country. You know, I- I'm sorry, Creighton did. And Creighton's a good team, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, like UConn's won 14 straight games, 59-41 uh, after the free throw, 13 minutes to go. All right, let's get back to some NFL draft talk. Earlier, we talked with Aaron Lemming, talked about what the Bears are going to do at number one overall. We both expect that to be uh, Caleb Williams. We both expect Justin Fields to be moved. I'm just curious to see uh, what that price is. You know, is it a second-round pick, a third-round pick? I don't think it's going to be a first-round pick coming back to Chicago. Uh, To talk more draft, we welcome on now Ian Cummings. You can give him a follow on Twitter or on X, IC underscore draft, NFL draft analyst over at Pro Football Network. Ian, thanks so much for giving us some time, man. How you been? Doing good, doing good. It's a, it's a grind this time of year. As you know, we just had the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl earlier this month. We've got the NFL Combine next week, actually. So the next big checkpoint, we'll see a lot of 40 times, right? Everyone gravitates to those. But uh, RAS thresholds, testing, right, interviews, it'll be a big checkpoint and a big moving spot for a lot of prospects. Absolutely. I want to start with the wide receivers, man, because I say this every year, I feel like now, though, this is one of the deeper wide receiver classes I feel that we have. And everybody's been talking about Marvin Harrison. Uh, There's a lot of guys that I like, though. I like Malik Neighbors a lot. What's the drop off from Marvin Harrison to a guy like Malik Neighbors? And who are some of your favorite prospects this year at the wide receiver position? Yeah, for sure. I think the drop-off, there's a decent drop-off, and it's only because Marvin Harrison Jr. is just that good, right? It's not a slight to Neighbors or Roma Dunze, who I also have in that tier. It's just Marvin Harrison Jr. is the tier above. He's the highest wide receiver that I've ever graded. So I think, you know, just the three-level framework, 6'4", the ability to separate that he has, the contested catchability, he's the full package, and no one quite amounts to that. But I really like Malik Neighbors. The dude is a powder keg, right? He's so explosive, so twitchy, physical rack threat, but really good at using his speed to separate and stack DBs in the vertical plane too. Roma Dunze, I liken him to a juiced-up Keenan Allen. He's so flexible for his size at 6'3", 215, but he's a he's an absolute contortionist at the catch point. Really good patience and body control. Some other guys I like kind of in the next tier. You've got Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, my wide receiver four, 6'4", 205, really streamlined athlete, very explosive, very good body control and hands. Xavier Worthy from Texas. I know he's fallen under the radar a little bit, a little bit lighter, but he's a guy with elite speed and he knows how to use it. If he runs the 40, I think we're going to start to remember again because he's got jets. Uh, I like Jalen Polk from Washington a lot. He gets slept on a little bit too, but 6'2", 205. I think he wins in similar ways to Puka Nakua, actually. Very alignment versatile, very strong hands. And then you got some of the guys like Ladd McConkey, Roman Wilson, the really reliable separators who have that vertical speed too. Uh, and then A.D. Mitchell from Texas is another one I got to bring up at six foot four, around 195. He's also a very good route runner. So top of the class, a lot of talent to know and a lot of high-end talent that I think could start pretty early in the NFL. I know we're, we're kind of looking at players in their breakdown and how they fit into the draft, but just your thoughts on the movement because of that, right? Like Marvin Harrison Jr., I agree. Generational talent. I think he's, he's, a, he's a must guy. But because you have this many guys, do you think there – has there been noise about teams looking to move up and down for Marvin Harrison Jr.? Do you think that that is impacted by just the sheer number of top caliber wide receivers that are available this year compared to years gone by where there's only been one or two guys that feel like first-round guys? I do think that, depth. we could start to have that conversation. I think the board is still settling right now, so we're not exactly sure. But, you know, as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, right, you know, we – I've 
everyone that I talk with, like Malik Neighbors would be wide receiver one in any other class. Romo Dunze would be wide receiver one in any other class, right? So on the one hand, getting a chance to pick a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. if you're the Patriots or the Cardinals, for example, you don't get that chance very often. But at the same time, if you can trade back and get a decent amount of capital and still get a guy like a Dunze, right, you know, at the in that 12 to 13 range, because we know there's a few QB needy teams who maybe could be eyeing a trade up, that could be a viable option too and maybe a better value proposition. So in any other class, right, if, if Odunze and neighbors weren't there, you know, there would be a bigger gap between Harrison and the next best guy. I would say it's probably more likely that someone is going to take that chance to take the generational wide receiver because you don't get that very often. But you're absolutely right. The depth is there at the top of the board, and that could incentivize some teams to say, hey, let's see if we can, you know, tip the scales a little bit and get a better value deal. I feel like there's a lot of people that are trying to make the case like against Caleb Williams, really like the last two and a half, three months, uh, which that defense was historically bad, man. Alex Grinch was really bad. And I didn't think, to be honest with you, I didn't think Lincoln Riley was, was, was that great this year, but I love Caleb Williams. I like Drake May. I like Jaden Daniels. What are your thoughts on those three guys? Like those tier one quarterbacks. I know we'll get into like JJ McCarthy and Bo Nix, but you think all three of those guys are, you know, week one starters right away, rookie year. I think they can. Yeah, I have it. Drake may slightly over Caleb Williams. And by slightly, I mean, it's literally one a one B like they're almost tied on my board. Right. But I got Drake may Caleb Williams pretty much neck and neck at the very top of the board. May is my QB one slightly, but I like Williams a lot. And, you know, to your point, yeah, when you have to score 50 points to win every week, it's going to be tough, right? You're going to have a lot of pressure on you. Uh, and he didn't have a great offensive supporting cast either. I think the creation ability that Williams has, the ability to, you know, extend plays, the, uh, you know, change direction, the instincts and in space and the arm elasticity too, all very strong parts of his game. Right now, I think Drake May is a little bit better at taking what's given, a little bit better at managing the pocket with discipline. And I think he's a little bit better at, at anticipating over the middle of the field, right? Those drive throws where you're throwing receivers over open Williams doesn't take those quite as often in structure right so I think May has a better translatability right now and then he's also a very good talent he's got some Justin Herbert to him he's actually a very good athlete for his size really strong arm very good arm angle freedom Jaden Daniels is a little bit farther down on my board there's a gap between the top two and Daniels Daniels is a very good creator again obviously winning the Heisman right that running ability is there and he's a very good deep passer I do have some questions about the anticipation open middle of the field with him too but I do think you have a solid enough floor where he can start right away and give that running value. So if you're picking number two, let's just assume Caleb goes number one to Chicago. I'm with you. I love Drake May, man. I know there was like some struggles, like him trying to figure out the too high shell stuff, but also like, you know, when Tez came in, like he didn't really have the best weapons down the field. That would be the argument I'd make for Drake May. Like the numbers not being as great year two, or even the second half of the season is freshman year. But if you're Washington, what do you do at number two? Is it Jaden Daniels? Or is it Drake May? Like, who works better with Cliff Kingsbury, in your opinion? Yeah, and that's the big discussion, right? Because on my board, I would take May pretty easily, right? Like, I, I wouldn't think about it even. But I do think with Cliff Kingsbury coming in, you're maybe going to get get some spread foundation in that offense with using a lot of four wide receiver, five wide receiver, even, you know, kind of light personnel. And I think spreading the field really fits with what Jaden Daniels does well, right? You know, Malik Davis and Thomas, they they used a lot of spread looks, kind of using the field, widening the defense and, you know, creating space, not only for Daniels to have more comfort, but also, you know, to create space for him as a runner too. So I think it plays into his skill set pretty well. That said, I think if you're looking for a spread scheme to threaten the defense vertically, Drake May also has the arm velocity, right, to, you know, create those drive throws and really capitalize on that too. So I would take May, 
But I think if you're the commanders and if you're using those spread concepts that Cliff Kingsbury is so affiliated with, it's got to be a discussion, right? You know, I think it's just a matter of does the talent discrepancy offset the scheme fit, right? I think Drake May could fit into that scheme well enough. And if you're a good offensive coordinator, you're going to mend your scheme to your quarterback, to your personnel, you know, and help maximize them. So for me, it would be May, but I could see them having a little bit of a discussion about it. So I, I love Jaden Daniels. Uh, I, I think what he did at LSU was beyond impressive. I agree he was working with probably more talent. No, not probably. Definitively more talent than Drake May was at North Carolina. This kid gives me Lamar vibes. And I know that's a high mark. What is, in a two-part question, number one, what is, in your opinion, genuinely the ceiling for Jaden Daniels? And part two, can you teach me how to pull off a deep V-neck T-shirt like that? Because man, I'm jealous. What a what a vibe. What a vibe. It's, you, you just gotta settle into it, man. Right? Just don't think about it. Just settle into <laughs> it. Just kind of let it marinate. You know, that's kind of my that's kind of my advice <laughs> for you, right? Don't force it. Just let it come organically. But um, yeah, I think uh, Jaden Daniels he's got a high ceiling, right? I don't know if he's quite Lamar for me. I think Lamar is a little bit. Uh, the thing with Daniels is he's six four, right? But he's two hundred probably. You know, he's gonna weigh in pretty light, and that shows up. Um, and he takes a lot of unnecessary hits too. You know, he's. He's fearless. You can say that about him. But there, there are reps where he's jumping into piles. It's like, bro, preserve yourself, okay? Try and play it safe. We need you, right? We need you on the next down. So I think that competitive toughness is there. I think the running ability, like you said, that's the top selling point. He's explosive. He is fast, too. When he has a runway, man, he's gone. Very agile. I mean, he is the top flight of that kind of creation ability. Uh, I don't think the arm is quite at Lamar's level either. That's the thing. And that's what separate. That's another separation thing between him and May and Williams, right? I don't think the arm velocity is quite there. I don't think the angle freedom is quite there. A ceiling comp for him, though, because if you're thinking about ceiling, if he can, if it can click, I do think you could be looking at maybe a Lamar light, right? I think right now a decent mid-range comp is Tyrod Taylor, I think. You know, Tyrod Taylor at his peak was a pretty efficient quarterback who I think was a little bit ahead of his time, right? If, if an offense had known how to use his running ability a little bit more, maybe he could have had a longer prime. But that's a mid-range, maybe a low-end comp as well, right? But I think it's tough because you don't see a ton of passers that have that lighter frame but are also as dynamic and as reliable as a runner right because usually they have that added frame density to you know kind of increase their durability and longevity right so it's an interesting projection it's a unique projection it's one we haven't seen very often i think low end tyrod taylor high end maybe you're looking at lamar light if you want to be optimistic he's got some work to do as a passer and he's not quite there with the arm but the running ability it, it's it's certifiable Listening to BetMGM Tonight, we're talking right now with Ian Cummings, NFL Draft Analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, IC underscore draft. Uh, so how do you feel about the pass rushers? And I wanted to ask you, who do you think has the highest ceiling? Because obviously we're going to hear about Dallas Turner, Jared Verse. I like Chop Robinson, Chris Jenkins. Who are some of the uh, guys that you like in this draft? And who do you think has the highest ceiling? Yeah, the top end guys, man. I'm a big fan of all these. I think the edge class is fun because a lot of varying molds at the top of the board Dallas Turner is my edge one. I think um, he has the highest ceiling for sure. And he has one of the highest ceilings that I've seen in my time evaluating and grading guys, which has only been about three, four years. So I don't have a large sample size to go off of, but uh, he's 
incredible. I mean, the explosiveness, the speed, the bend at 6'4", 252. And he's got really long arms, too. So, you know, he's got the bend and speed of a finesse rusher where he can just get by you without even making contact. But then as soon as you settle into that role, he will widen you with his twitch and just explode into your torso with devastating amounts of power. So he's got the full package physically, still kind of refining his pass rush arsenal. But the in the modern NFL, you need to be able to disguise coverage looks. You need to be able to provide, provide pressure from different alignments, right? And I think Dallas Turner really fits into that. Latu Latu is very fun, 6'5", 260. He is the best technician of this group. Very fluid for his size. I think the medicals could be a concern. But, you know, if you want a day one starter who's going to be an impact pass rusher, He's that guy. Jared Verse is a speed-to-power phenom. I mean, the amount of power that he can generate with his burst and his, you know, you know, relentless energy is incredible. And he's a very good run defender. I think Verse might be the best run defender of this group. And he's also a very good pass rusher, too. I'm a big fan of Chop as well. He's a maniac. I, that's, the, that's the word that I use for him. I, the production doesn't always line up. And, you know, he's not going to measure in the longest, right? I think he's pretty compact, 6'3", 250 but probably shorter arms, but he's so explosive. I mean, in a blink, he gets upfield, right? He's going to test off the charts, I think. And, you know, that alignment versatile disruption ability, right? You can use him like a Micah Parsons light on your defense. Just let him roam around and just attack mismatches. I love that top group of edges. And I think guys down the line, too, you got Adisa Isaac from Penn State, Darius Robinson from Missouri. A lot of varying molds and a lot of guys with different skill sets that could melt to different schemes and, you know, kind of peak interest at different ranges on the board. And talk to me about running backs. We've been having this conversation about the valuation of running backs up and down lately. We're watching guys like Derrick Henry. There are teams like the Dallas Cowboys that have decisions to make last year. Obviously, we had Bijan Robinson. No brainer to be the first running back off the board this year. Another guy out of Texas, John Brooks. Trey Benson out of Florida State, a guy that I like a lot. I think he's very underappreciated. Big reason FSU got the 12-0. and 0. Uh, Blake Corum, obviously, and all he did for Michigan this year. Any of these guys feel like franchise changing running backs like Bijan Robinson did to you? No. Uh, Going to be a succinct answer. Bijan was special. And I think Bijan and Jameer Gibbs were actually both pretty special. But Bijan on my board was above a nine for me, which on my scale is a, a blue chip prospect. You don't see that very often. And you definitely don't see it from a running back. I think Bijan kind of set the, set the standard for that just with his composite running ability. He was a great receiver, but you know, at his size, being as flexible and creative and instinctive as he was, and then having the physicality of contact balance, like, you know, I say the full package a lot. It's a cliche for NFL draft guys, but he was the full package, right? So it's it's tough yeah. to match up to. He is the standard. But this year, I don't think there's a franchise changing back. I do think there are a lot of guys who, if you insert them into the proper supporting cast with a good offensive line, a good schematic outlook, uh, they could produce early on. Trey Benson is one of those guys for me. He's my RB1 right now. Uh, you know, six foot one, 225. His leg churn his contact balance working downhill is really impressive he's physical but he's got vertical speed too and he's a nuanced receiver john brooks i like bucky irving i like uh this class is a very fun one early middle rounds you could get a lot of value there ian thanks so much man we got to have you on again before the draft and after really great stuff ian cummings give him a follow on x ic underscore draft draft analysts over at pro football network give them a follow as well thanks so much man really appreciate it yes sir thank you for having me Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. 
BetMGM tonight continues. Rob Brown, Ryan Horvath with you here on a Tuesday night. College hoops in progress. We got some NHL. We'll hit some scores right now. Then we're going to talk some Major League Baseball award markets. And I actually placed three future bets as far as uh, the awards markets. I'm not going to do a whole lot. I decided this year with win totals, Rob, or even futures. But I do like playing some MVP, some Cy Young, some uh, strikeout leaders. And uh, some things, in, and, and oh, oh, and I got a home run prop, an under that I love, and I haven't given this out to anybody except for you tonight, Rob. Really quick though, some scores: uh, sixty-nine fifty-two Creighton. There's still eight minutes to go in this game. I should feel good, but unless it's a thirty-point lead against UConn, I just don't really feel good. But a Creighton shooting sixty percent. Um, so that makes me feel all right. Wisconsin's up 44, 38 on Maryland. They're seven and a half point favorites on the live line, live total 124 and a half. Creighton is a 14 and a half point favorite on the live line. BYU up 47, 45 on Baylor. Good one there. BYU a three and a half point favorite on the live line, live total at BetMGM 156 and a half. Utah State up 41, 36 on San Diego State. Big conference game. Utah State four and a half point favorites on the live line. And then TCU's up 45-43 on Texas Tech. TCU a one-and-a-half point dog. Total in that game, 147-and-a-half. As soon as the buzzer hits here, I'm probably going to bet uh, St. Mary's. This game tips off in 37 minutes. They're playing San Francisco. They're at home, tough place to play. Seven-and-a-half point favorites. Total in the game, 133-and-a-half. But I'm waiting to make sure I get Creighton home. Uh, NHL scores really quickly. The Jets up 4-1 on the Wild. Canucks and Avalanche tied at 1. Predators lead the Golden Knights 1-0. And then coming up in 15 minutes, the puck drops out in Los Angeles. The Kings, huge favorites, minus 250 over the Blue Jackets. Total 6.5. All right, Rob, can I talk you into a under on a home run prop? Uh, can you? You can damn sure yeah. try. Will you be successful, Ryan Horvat? Like minus 110. Let's see how it goes. Other than Ryan Sandberg and... Uh, John Lester as well. We're gonna throw out there. Who's my who's my oh and Anthony Rizzo of course. You gotta exclude those guys. Who's my favorite Chicago Cub all time? Uh Greg Maddox. Damn it, he'd probably be up there. Chris Bryant, World Series <laughs> hero, right? Former Rookie of the Year and National League MVP. Chris Bryant is my favorite Cub, probably other than Tony Rizzo. You know, of the last 20 years, I would say. But I was shocked when I went over to BetMGM and I looked at home runs. They have home run props, right? Chris Bryant's home run total this season, 19 and a half. Minus 110 to the under. Chris Bryant, who I love, right? I sometimes forget that he's in the league playing in Colorado, rotting away. He got the money. He got the bag. He's played 122 combined games the last two seasons. Like, I thought he was going to go to Colorado. I worried about the power. I mean, he got hit with the pitch, which was scary in the head. And then he had the shoulder injury, and the power just hasn't been there. But I thought when he went to Colorado, man, playing at Coors, like he was going to hit 35 to 40 homers. Even if he does stay healthy, I just don't see it happening, man. Like the power's gone. Even if this number is 17 and a half, 16 and a half, I'd play the under on Chris Bryant. I don't think he's going over 19 and a half. So that was the first prop bet uh, that I placed this season. I was shocked to see it minus 110. And I'll be more shocked if Chris Bryant plays 100 games this season. I love him. I hate to say it. I just don't see it happening. And I don't see Colorado I, being uh, any good. My only concern would be like he gets moved at the deadline. I am gonna. I am actually gonna congratulate you because yes, you are. You have talked 
me into this. Chris Bryant has played over 80 games one time in the last yeah. four years. The only time he did it was 2021, where he played for two different teams, uh, both the Cubs and the Giants that year. He played in 144. He went yard 25 times. The year before that, played in 34 games, went yard four times. In 22 in Colorado, played in 42 games, went five times. And last year, 80 games, went 10 times. So uh, not only would he have to play in, what a minimum of 120 games, but he'd have to he'd have to go yard basically twice every 10 games to do it, which statistically has not been a thing he's done a, even in his best year back in 2016. So, yeah, I I that's at 19 and a half, really. Yes, yeah, I was shocked, man. And again, I love Chris Bryant, and maybe, whew. Man, I hate to even say it. I think it would take a lot of HGH, to be honest, for Chris Bryant to go over 19 and a half. I just don't think he's that dude anymore, man. Like, he's older, right? Like, he's got his ring. He has the Rookie of the Year. He has the MVP award. Right now, he's playing for the Rockies. Like, every year, I lose my mind, and I just play them to win 66 games. They can't even do that. You know, like, if we did a man-on-the-street interview right now in D.C., name, name me three Oakland A's and name me three Colorado Rockies. I guarantee nobody would get it. Like nobody can name any A's and I'd be shocked. Like Charlie Blackman, other than him, like, you know, maybe, maybe if I, maybe if you're a Cub fan, you remember Chris Bryant, but yeah, 19 and a half, man, I'm going under. All right, let's talk about some of these other ones, right? Aaron Judge is the favorite to win the American League MVP plus 550. Juan Soto, spoiler alert, you already gave this one out. Six to one over at BetMGM. Alvarez is nine to one. Seager's 10 to one. J-Rod's 12 to one. Rushman, who I played 16 to 1. I'm all in on the O's this year, man. Gunner's 18 to 1 and Rushman's 16 to 1. That's crazy. Kyle Tucker, I play him every year, 18 to 1. And then Bobby Witt Jr., 20 to 1. Other than uh, Juan Soto, who we've already talked about, talked about, uh, who, who would you maybe look at in this market or who do you expect a big year from? There's a couple I'm interested in. Uh, Bo Bichette is a guy that I'm interested in, not just because he has a great Star Wars name, but if if Toronto can turn the corner, Bo Bichette's going to be a big part of that. And and uh, I would throw him up there. Um, Randy Rosarina? I, like, Randy every year feels like he gets right up to that line, right? Like, he toes up to that line where he starts playing with my emotion last year. Deck and I were having a ball last year with the crossed arms mean mug that Randy was throwing around, got super hot in the World Baseball Classic, brought that momentum in. I would love to see him put together a full season of it. But look, man, I, I again, I think Juan Soto is in the perfect position. I think he yeah. is in the perfect spot. I think the one thing he was missing was, was structure. I think he's one of those young cats that was so far above his league when he got going and then he goes to San Diego, a place that pretty much just let the, the the players run the clubhouse, let the inmates run the asylum, so to speak. And he's not going to have that option in New York. Because not just is that not what the Yankees do, but Ryan, like everybody wearing pinstripes, everybody wearing a suit in that office, everybody's under the gun this year. If, if they tank, if they yeah. fall again this year and they fall off, I think you have got to have a, not a clubhouse reboot, I think you've got to have a franchise reboot i think everybody top to bottom's got to go which means that you know it's i think we've all been in some sort of position of management it's one thing when you're screwing up and it's making you look bad it's another thing when you're screwing up and it's putting my ass on the line 
that's where I have to turn into the bad guy, even if I like you as a bro, and I've got to kind of get down on you a little bit, and I kind of feel that's where the Yankees are. I, I Listen, I'm passing on Aaron Judge as my vote because I think that's how good Juan Soto is going to be for this team this year. The pressure's not on him. He's got a, a Giancarlo Stanton there. He's got an Aaron Judge there. He doesn't have to be the man like he did last year in San Diego, like he did his whole career in D.C. I think you lift that pressure, you give him a little structure. I think Juan Soto is going to be a dude this year. Me too. And good point about the Yanks too. And that's the one thing I appreciate about like organizations like the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and even the St. Louis Cardinals, like not the biggest markets, but they don't accept mediocrity. Like in the Dodgers, they never rebuild. Like my team big market team has been rebuilding since since birth but like those teams even if they have a down year like you can't expect even if they have a down year they're like attempting to win like the Mets for example like yeah they're probably gonna suck but look at their payroll at least they're paying guys and going after guys just not the right guys all right man I'm in the sweat chamber right now we're gonna continue to talk about these awards but all hell is broken loose UConn doing UConn things they're on a 19 to 5 run a little bit over four minutes to go and this is a 10 point game we went from a 23-point lead, me enjoying life, placing stupid money on Chris Bryant futures, now to me sweating here, legitimately shaking, UConn only down 10. Uh, if Creighton loses this game by three points, I'm going to be very sad. I haven't even checked the Wisconsin <laughs> score lately. I don't even want to see it. So let's move on to the National League, where Ronald Acuna Jr., if he stays healthy, every year should probably be the favorite. Like Mookie Betts, great. Shohei Otani. Best player of our generation. Uh, I like Tatis. I like Freeman. But Ronald Acuna Jr. is just unreal, man. The things that he does, he shows up every single day. Like, if I could create a player, if, if I could have one team for one player for my team, it would be Ronald Acuna Jr. Now, the price not great, plus 525. Mookie Betts plus 650. Shohei's 9 to 1. Let's just start there really quick. Shohei probably not worth a bet at 9 to 1 when you take the ball out of his hands every five days when he's not going to be pitching, right? Even if he hits 285, 45 homers, and the Dodgers win 105 games with all that talent, win losses, like that's what I love about the NL or, you know, just the MVP market in Major League Baseball. It doesn't matter. I mean, Mike Trout won the MVP on one of the worst teams in baseball. You know what I'm saying? So that doesn't really matter. But I do think that would take away a little bit from Shohei, all the protection in that lineup, right? Like Mookie Betts, that entire lineup, and he's not pitching anymore. So I don't think he's worth a bet at 9-1. to one. I'd maybe wait for a better price if I wanted to do anything with Shohei this season. Again, we talked about this earlier. He's a DH, man. Like, I, I don't think right. you – unless he just has the greatest year from the dish of any batter in, in, in maybe ever on a team that is stacked with all-stars, right? I mean, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, his team is, is 1-9 to – as good as anybody in the league with the exception of the Braves. So in order for Shohei Otani to stand out in that lineup, he's got to get on base more than Mookie Betts. He's got to advance more than Mookie Betts. He's got to mash more dingers than Freddie Freeman. And he's got to do all of these things consistently start to finish to stand out just on his own team. He's not the guy. Now, if he was competing with Freddie Freeman, and also winning a Cy Young in the National League, then yes, there's no question he would be your candidate of the year. But look, Ronald Acuna just entered a club of which he is the only member 
And you can hit me all you want with pitch clock and larger bases and this, that, and the other. And that's all well and good. But hey, he's playing by the same rules as everybody else in Major League Baseball. And he's the only person in this club. Now, that's not me saying Ronnie's going to win it again this year. Much like with Nikola Jokic, I do wonder if two years is where the voter fatigue mark kicks in for Major League Baseball. By the way, I don't think there's two words I hate in the MVP discussion more than voter fatigue. Look, same. I love Joel Embiid. Nikola Jokic was the MVP last year, okay? And to me, end of debate. He just was. Uh, I wonder if that kicks in for Ronnie, and maybe that's a reason to be scared off that that number, aside from the fact that the price isn't stellar. But Ronald Acuna does things at the dish, and more importantly, on the base path. And oh, by the way, a hell of a right fielder that there's maybe only one other guy in the league that can do, and that is Mookie Betts. The only problem Ronnie's going to have, much like Shohei, the Braves have six all-stars in the lineup. Six. Yeah. You got to stand out from five other all-stars. That's tough to do, man. Tough to do. The Braves will have to eclipse that 104 mark if Ronald Acuna is going to repeat. I will say that. Yeah, completely agree. You know what price I don't hate? And actually, dude, it opened at 18 to 1. And BetMGM has the best price for Corbin Carroll. 20 to 1 for Corbin Carroll, right? I mean... Like you said, it's going to be hard to beat Okunia if he stays healthy. I mean, he had, what, 41 dingers, 73 stolen bases. But Cor- Corbin Carroll last year, let's look at his numbers. 25 homers, 50 stolen bags for Corbin Carroll. And I, like I said, like team success doesn't matter in the MVP market. But I do think Arizona would have to at least be a wild card team. Like I think they would have to be relevant all season long because he's going to put up numbers. But so are all those dudes in Los Angeles and all those dudes in Atlanta. So I think for Corbin Carroll to make a case for MVP, they would at least have to be relevant. You know, they would have to be like a 90, I don't know, like an 85 to 90 win team, I almost feel. Like sneak back into the post or get back into the postseason. I think Arizona is going to be good. It just sucks that they're in the division with, you know, the best team or second best team in all of baseball or at least the National League. Um, Right now, 76-64, Creighton up 12, a little bit over three minutes to go. And like, it's just like the ultimate melt. You know what I mean? Like you can never feel good about anything in college hoops unless you're betting against Rick Pitino all of a sudden as he's like melting down and falling apart at press conferences. <laughs> or whatnot. I mean, what the hell was that dude? Like, geez, I, man, he's missing, he's missing the old days. Wait, if wait, you know wait. what I'm talking about. You're not, you're, you're, you're telling me that calling players out by name and calling them quote physically weak in the national audience is not the best way to get them to buy in. Stop it. Not a great look, dude. Like, good luck recruiting next year. Like, these young dudes, especially. <laughs> so, not a great look. But, yeah, 12-point lead, 2.48 to go. And UConn, all of a sudden, is, like, unconscious from three. But they do have a miss there. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to wrap up the show. We are uh, – let's hit on a couple more of these award markets, man. Because Garrett Cole, again, the favorite to win AL Cy Young. I think there's better value in that market before we uh, get to spring training. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll wrap up some scores in college basketball. We got some sweats. Bet MGM tonight. We wrap up Rob Brown, Ryan Horvath, right here on the BetQL Network. Now, back to Bet MGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. Ryan Horvath, Rob Brown with you, BetMGM tonight. Final segment here. And right now, Creighton wrapping up at 81 66. 
victory, hopefully. 115 to go here. Uh, now I'm starting to feel good, creating a 15.5-point favorite on the live line with one minute to go. So as 3.5-point dogs, they're going to win this game outright. Now I just need Wisconsin to come home. They're up 58-51 on Maryland. Four minutes to go, 6.5-point favorites on the live line. BYU pulling away from Baylor. Still eight minutes to go, but they're up 62-54, 7.5-point favorites. And uh, TCU looking to pull the upset, 57-52 over Texas Tech on the road. Now one and a half point favorite. Still a couple games about to tip off. San Jose State, a 16 and a half point dog tonight on the road, taking on Boise State. Total 141 and a half. And St. Mary, seven and a half point favorites over San Francisco. Total in that one, 133 and a half. I'm going to play St. Mary's. Uh, really small, though, at home. I like the St. Mary's team, especially at home. So really small, seven and a half point favorites. And uh, that'll be it. A minute to go, 81-66, like I said, Creighton over UConn. So UConn about to lose for the first time in 15 games. And uh, I still think they'll be all right, though, Rob. I still think that UConn will be just fine. All right, really quick, I want to get back to this. NL Cy Young winner, Spencer Strider, plus 525. Zach Wheeler, 9-1. to Logan Webb, 12-1. to Max Fried, 14-1. to Zach Gallen, 14-1. to I played my guy Justin Steele at 18 to 1. I like Justin Steele this year. I was a little bit of a hater actually in the beginning with Justin Steele, man, but um he's the one good thing. He's like the one thing I feel good about, especially in that rotation for the Cubs uh this season. And I like the price 18 to 1. What do you think? Anything in that market for you? Uh actually, I also went with Justin Steele as a long shot. I like Justin Steele. I thought Justin Steele last year about midway through the season, in fact, I I don't know why this stands out to me. But about halfway through the season last year, I was on with you guys, and you asked me if Justin Steele was a potential Cy Young winner, uh, and I was like, "Hey, let me let me look, right?" Because it didn't. Try and I looked, and I'm like, "Damn, he can be there." My only question is, is he gonna get the run support in Chicago to not be in a ton of close games and have some L's hung on him that maybe you know one or two runs and he gets saved in that spot? I think some of the other guys you're looking at. Uh, up towards the top of the list when you're looking at guys like Spencer Strider. These are guys that are going to be, they're going to have a lot of spots where they're catching six, seven, eight run leads in the fourth and fifth inning. And they can, they can either go a little hard or they can kind of pitch their game and not be dragged out of it. And to me, that's a big help. Um, 12 to one, I'll give you a guy. And I'm, I, I know, like I said, this is almost going to, I'm going to get called out for being a homer on Saturday by Cody Decker and Mario. And I accept that. Max Freed is 12 and a half to one. Max Freed is a guy who, when he's on and healthy, is right there in the back pocket of Spencer Strider in terms of numbers, in terms of performance. And he, get, he gets bumped down a little bit because he does struggle with some injuries. Max Freed stays healthy and competes with Spencer Strider, you're getting a guy who's maybe a number or two behind in a stat here and there, but you're getting him at almost twice the odds that you're getting Spencer Strider at. I really like Max Freed. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that there's one more I really like. Tyler Glasnow at 18-1. to Tyler Glasnow is a dude that's going to be in that mix, in my opinion. I, it's going to take, again, another guy. I don't know if he's going to get what he needs uh, behind him to really get there. But if you're looking for some dark horses to maybe stretch it out a little bit, uh, one Cody Decker loves, and I'm I'm with him on this, almost 12 to 1, Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen was a stud last year until he wasn't, right? Zach Gallen, until the very end of the regular season, was a Cy Young candidate. 
you got to think maybe he learned what whatever it was that took him out of that mix at the very end of last year. If he figures out how to put that away, Zach Allen's a real good pick at almost 12 to 1 as well. Yeah, I like all those prices, man. The price that I don't really understand, or I mean, I understand it, but I wouldn't play with Zach Wheeler at 9 to 1. But I did find something that I liked for Zach Wheeler. Uh, let me make sure it's still the same price. The best number you could get, 30 to 1. So 30 to 1, Zach Wheeler. Major League Baseball strikeout leader. I was looking at it last year, 26.9% strikeout rate. Actually, the last two seasons. And he only walks about 5 to 6% of hitters. So if you look at it like Spencer Strider's the heavy favorite, he walks about 8% of batters. Blake Snell just won the award. He walks 13.3% of batters. So I don't think Wheeler really like hurts himself. You know what I mean? Like in the strikeout numbers, like I said, continue to go up. So I don't think I would do anything as far as Cy Young. Uh, because of the other names right there, Spencer Strider, Zach Allen, Justin Steele. But I do like Zach Wheeler to lead the strikeout, uh, lead the league in strikeouts. I just really like that price, 30 to 1. I think that's a better way to go if you were going to do anything with Wheeler because I just don't understand 9 to 1 before the season. I'd wait for a better number in season. I love the glass now pick, and you could also find a 20 to 1 if you shop around a little bit. Um, anything for you with rookie of the year? I never play rookie of the year before the season. I brought up Jackson holiday though. He's three to one. I don't know if he makes the opening day roster. Not that that matters for Baltimore. And I would want a much better price than three to one for a guy that I don't even know when I'm going to see him. You know what I mean? I didn't do anything here. Would you, any names that stick out? I, I listen, I'm with you. I, I can't do rookie yeah. of the year. I mean, there, there are some yeah. guys like deck who are, are really tuned into these guys on their, their route to the show that, and I will defer to Cody Decker if you want a rookie of the year pick. By the way, he nailed Corbin Carroll last year going into the season. So he's he's definitely the expert here. I do have one question. How the hell is Blake Snell not on a baseball team? How was how that a thing we're still doing here? I mean, what? why is he not on a baseball team? Like him, Cody Bellinger, this is what I don't understand, man, is it's now Tuesday, February 20th. When do these deals get done? And where does Blake Snell end up? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why nobody's made the call yet. Why nobody's throwing money at Blake Snell. Look at all these teams that need arms, and especially teams that, like, just don't care about spending money. The Yankees, the Dodgers, of course, the Chicago Cubs. I mean, I would love another arm in that rotation. I mean, I want the Cody Bellinger stuff to get done, but give me Blake Snell all day. I don't understand what's well, going on. Uh, is there is there like an injury? Is there something that we don't know about, or is it just about the money right now in the years? I I got to think it's about the money, right? Like I got to yeah. think it's about the money, and and it's it's again not that there's not teams that aren't willing to burn up some cash. What the Dodgers have done is beyond ridiculous. I respect it, like sell out. I get it. Uh, here's what I asked Decker, and he he kind of agreed with his take. There's no free agent deadline, right? There's no, there's no, you have to be on a team by this point. And so right. what, if you're Trey, or excuse me, if you're uh, Blake Snell right now, what I think you're probably doing is you're watching these other pitchers get picked off one by one. And every time one of those guys leaves the market and you become the last guy out there, and oh, by the way, you're a Cy Young candidate before you're even on a team, no matter where you sign, you're that good. The yeah. price you can demand goes up. I, I gotta think, at least in the Blake Snell department, this is 100% based on the fact that there, there's no deadline. He can sign on opening day and join a roster, and there's there's nothing to push him there. So that's my thought. But I look at what LA's doing with paychecks. I look at what the Yankees are doing with paychecks. Hell, I look at what the Boston Red Sox are doing with paychecks right now. 
And I'm going, somebody's got to throw that guy, you know, Verlander money right now. Somebody's got to do it because he is that guy right now. I, yeah. I you know, I I really don't get it. Uh, then there's a few others. Montgomery's out there. I think Walker was still out there a while ago. Like, there's still other names out there. But Blake Snell is going to be one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball this year. And he deserves to get paid. I'm not arguing with that. I'm just shocked nobody's done it yet. Yeah, you know what? It, it does make sense, though. He's a Scott Boris client, right, as well. And so I, I think that makes perfect sense, what you said and what Cody says. And, and the way that you look at it, right, is if there's an injury uh, in spring training, which, you know, it's spring training, or let's say maybe, like, there's a team that's going to rely on an arm or a young arm or a guy that's coming off an injury, like, that could be the way that Boris and – and Blake Snell are looking at this as well as like the deal's not there that they want. I'm sure it's about the years and it's about the money. So if the right deal isn't there for him coming off the season that he just had, right? You just wait. And then there's going to be, there's going to be a team. There's going to be a team that's going to get desperate and throw a bunch of money at him. And so they're probably just waiting on the right deal. Probably the same thing with Cody Bellinger, right? Too is like, there's going to be some of these teams now here in spring training that are lowballing, throwing lowball offers that are going to get desperate. Or they're just going to be like, all right, we're done effing around. We know who we're messing here with. You know, it's it's a, it's a Boris client. We're going to get the deal done. And Snell's just waiting on the right deal. And I don't blame him for that. Can't knock it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge pickup for somebody. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Oh, AL Cy Young. Garrett Cole's 5-1. to one. Uh, Gaussman's six, plus 650. Corbin Burns, 9-1. to one. I don't think I could do it. Pablo Lopez, 11-1. to one. George Kirby, 16-1. to one. Anybody... Uh, catch your eye here and AL that's the only market we haven't hit on is the American League style young listen you can't you, you you can't go against Garrett Cole uh I don't I don't think right. there's a ton of value there but I think he's just that big of a favorite there are some other names Zach Elflin is always a dude that like somehow just stays in that mix and it's just a matter of what Tampa Bay is going to be able to do this year um I don't hate Chris Bassett as a pick either like Bassett always seems to be that guy that's kind of hanging around does have a little help this year a little bit of support behind him you're catching him at almost all, what is it five and a half to one right now Chris Bassett's gonna yeah. be in that mix so I really like this by the way somebody we didn't talk about when we talked about the Yankees and their staff earlier Nestor Cortez nasty Nestor still a Yankee dude like we're talking about Garrett Cole in the front end nasty Nestor when he's not banged up is still that guy 14 to one doesn't feel awful for a long shot. If you want a little sprinkle on a dark horse, man. Yeah, man. And if he has a year, especially like we know the love that that market's going to get. I don't hate that at all, man. I really don't hate that. I think that's a good look. That's a really good price. 14 to one. Somehow that one passed me by. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I'll take a look at that. I don't hate that whatsoever. Uh, as we wrap up the show here, Wisconsin was only up four. They hit a big three. It's now a seven point game. I have Wisconsin as seven-and-a-half-point favorites, 46 seconds to go. Creighton does uh, knock off UConn. So UConn, 14-game win streak snap. Creighton, one of the hottest teams in the country, all of a sudden. They've won eight out of their last 11. Pretty good defensively. They could score points. That might be a team to look at if you're looking at the futures market, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, coming up tomorrow night, I believe it's me and PJ Glasser once again. The glass man was with Ken Barkley on You Better You Bet. I believe it's the return of Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on You Better You Bet. It'll be PJ and myself. Rob, what do you got going tomorrow? Tell the people where they can find you on about what, like five and a half hours now? <laughs> Getting close to it. Uh, find me on social media at The Rob Brown Show. My show is podcasted on all podcasting networks, The Rob Brown Show, because I'm a branding genius. 
Find me on Instagram at the same name and live from 6 to 10 Eastern every day at thefanupstate.com. Thank you guys for having me, man. I love coming to sit in with you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks so much, man. We're back tomorrow night, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Check out the Daily Tip, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow with Chelsea Messenger, Michael Jenkins. That's a wrap. Another show is in the books. We'll be right back here tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern for the next winning edition of Bet MGM Tonight, live from BetQL.